Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live.
Thank you, Father, for this day that we can hear what you would say to the churches today. Ask, Father, for your anointing, your blessing, that, Father, you put your words in my mouth and anoint the hearing and receiving. Please anoint and bless the application of this word. Please help us, Father, to reach the lost. Help us, Father, to grow in your spirit and in your will in our own lives. We pray, Father, for your will and your spirit to prevail in us and in this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Welcome to the weekly seventh-day services of I Saw the Light Ministries. This is Pastor Tim of I Saw the Light Ministries. If you're listening on TalkShoe.com, the weekly broadcast is called This Gospel of the Kingdom. And we also have a weekly 15-minute broadcasts on the radio in Cincinnati and in Detroit. And you can listen to those broadcasts on the website at ISawTheLightMinistries.com. For the record, today's date in the, in the calendar that we use, that everybody uses in America, is June the 25th, 2016 A.D., June 25th, 2016 A.D., in the year of, in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In God's created calendar, it is the 20th day of the third month. The 20th day of the third month, and at the ministry website, I Saw the Light Ministries, there is an article about God's created calendar, how to tell the time with the sun, moon, and the stars. Now, we're going to be starting in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. And we're reading, as always, from the New American Standard Bible. And in case that you may be listening for the first time today, the website, I Saw the Light Ministries, there is an article about the King James Version compared to the New American Standard Bible. It gives you the comparisons of why we read from the New American Standard Bible. Now, all of the articles on the website all have references to the King James Version. All the articles on the website have many, many, many scriptures. It, the articles point you to the scriptures and the scriptures quoted on the website, the King James Version, because that there are many people that will only listen or only read only if it is in the King James Version. Now, that's a very narrow-minded and to be honest with you, a quite ignorant stand that people make when it's King James only, even though that the King James Version never existed until only 400 years ago, but yet the church has existed for over 2,000 years, and the church never did use King James until 400 years ago. So it's a very ignorant approach to believe in King James only. So we do believe that there are translations of the Bible, even as King James is only a translation of a man. 
and that we can compare the different translations to get a better, more accurate picture of what was actually truly originally written. Amen. Now, today's topic is not about the King James Version, but today's topic is about reaching the unreached. Reaching the unreached. Reaching the undecided and those who are seeking. Reaching the unreached, the undecided, and those who are seeking. And one of the ways is that we do reach out to the unreached, to the undecided, and to those who are seeking, is by using different translations. Because even though there are many people who, who will use only the King James Version, there are also many people who are using other translations. And if you are going to stay with King James only, you are not going to reach all the other people that are reading the Spanish translation, the Russian translation, the Chinese translation, so forth. Now, the traditional mainstream Christianity, your Baptist church, Pentecostal, Lutheran, Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, so on, so on, so on, so on, so on, your mainstream denominations of mankind, they evangelize in the box. They evangelize in the box. What I mean by that is they evangelize with a set pattern of rules and regulations of what you can say, what you can't say, how you can evangelize, how you can't evangelize. And they evangelize really to only a very narrow group of people. If you really think about it, they only evangelize to those people who are already interested in living for Jesus. They have already agreed to come to church to a mainstream, traditional, denominational church. They have already been, uh, a lot of them have already been indoctrinated with a particular mainstream denomination. They've already been churched in their childhood. They're already familiar with the Bible. They're already familiar with the King James Version Bible. And they already know about Jesus, and they've already believed in Jesus their entire lifetime. And they've already accepted an invitation to a church or decided to go to church that day. And it is those people who are evangelized to and reached in the box of the church building and within the box of traditional um, tracts and traditional Bible version, traditional doctrine, and so forth. But in Luke chapter 5, we see a different approach was taken by Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27, after that he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth, 
Levi is Matthew. So Levi was Matthew's uh, name before he started following Jesus. Just as Saul's name was converted over to Paul, Levi was converted, his name was changed to Matthew. So Levi was his name before he started following Jesus. And he was a tax collector. He worked for the government. He was a government employee. And the Jews did not like the government employees. Many of them did not. Even as today, a lot of people in the so-called true church movement, the so-called true church movement, those people who are... uh, Uh, They think they're saved and they follow the Hebrew roots and they use the white names and they think they know all these truths and all this knowledge and all these facts. They hate the government. A lot of them is very rebellious against government and they claim to be, uh, uh, what's that word, when they claim to be not part of the government, sovereign, sovereign from the government. And they have a detesting for the government. The Jews of Jesus' day, there was, a, there was a, a, a sect of religion called the Zealots, Z-E-A-L-O-T, the Zealots, that uh, detested uh, the Greek language, even as Hebrew roots people do today, detest the Greek language, which is a very holy language. It is the language of Jesus Christ and the apostles. It is actually Paleo-Hebrew, original Hebrew, but it's just called Greek today. Uh, And the Zealots detested the government. So Levi would have been detested. Matthew would have been detested by the other Jews, by the Zealots and, and a lot of the Jews of the time. But Jesus went to him. Jesus went outside the box. He went out. Jesus did. Jesus went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in a tax booth. He was at work in a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. Amen. Now notice, he didn't say, follow the Father, or follow the Holy Spirit, or follow God. He said, follow me. He used different terms and different words being mainstream Judaism of the time or mainstream religion of the time. He used words that we would consider today more humanistic. And many times the words of Jesus seemed very uh, uh, taboo spiritual, uh, what some people call a Gnostic type of speaking. Very, very, very spiritual type of speaking at many times. And at other times, very humanistic speaking. To say, follow me, he is proclaiming himself as God in the flesh. Amen. That's what he's doing, proclaiming himself as God. Very taboo, very different approach. 
And it says here in verse 28, and he left everything, Levi did, left everything behind and got up to follow him. Immediate, immediately. Verse 29, Levi Matthew gave a big reception for him in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reciting, reclining at the table with them. So it did not take long that Matthew shared Jesus with his friends, with the other outcasts, with the other tax collectors, with other government employees, with other people who were not being reached by mainstream religion. The mainstream Judaism religions, the Hebrew root people, did not want to evangelize to these people. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. They didn't want to talk with them. They didn't want to socialize with them. They were taboo and forbidden to evangelize to these government people. But Jesus went outside the box to try to reach those who were not being reached by mainstream religion. But they needed to be reached, didn't they? They were human beings. They have a soul. There is a fate of eternal paradise or lake afar, one or the other. Every person needs to be reached sooner or later. Every person needs to be reached. The Bible says that he is not willing for any man to perish, but to have everlasting life. That would include Gentile uh, in Gentiles and government workers, the outcasts, and those that mainstream religion is not reaching, and mainstream so-called Christianity is not reaching. And there was a great crowd here. Amen. There was a lot of people came to find Jesus, to seek Jesus. Now, these people didn't have Jesus yet. These people weren't saved yet. These people weren't converted yet. And these were people that was not in the box of traditional evangelism. We need to go outside the box. Amen. There's nothing wrong with having a building that is a official location for people to come to worship. There's nothing wrong with that. And I have come to learn that having house churches and house congregations and private secret locations is not the way to go. If you're going to hide in your house, who's going to come? Who's going to even know how to reach you? How to come? Where to go? Why, when to go? It's good to have a place official place where you can put up a sign, put an ad in the paper, put it on the radio, let people know that you're there. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But as far as inviting people to that congregation, inviting people to come to know Jesus, inviting people to services, inviting people to that church building, to that ministry building, to that meeting place, we need to go outside the box. And the reason we need to go outside the box is because, guess what? The Baptist, the Lutheran, the Presbyterian, and the Pentecostal, and the Catholic, and all these religions, Jehovah's Witness, and Mormons, and Muslims, and everything else, 
people who have already chosen a religion, they've already made their decision. Amen? They've already made their decision of what they're going to follow, who they're going to follow, and how they're going to follow. And it is extremely difficult to reach those people. Extremely, extremely (laughs) difficult to reach the people who have already made their decisions. Think of the presidential elections. How people have already made a decision whether they're Republican, whether they're Democrat, whether they're going to vote for Hillary Clinton, whether they're going to vote for Trump. If a person has already made the decision, they are not going to be persuaded to the other side. They've already made their decision. And the same is true. But you know what? There is still some undecided votes out there, though. And it's those undecided votes, those undecided votes, are the ones that the political parties and the candidates really are reaching out for and are uh, needed to reach out for is the undecided vote. The undecided vote is the ones that you can influence. A Republican is going to vote Republican. A Democrat is going to vote Democrat. But it's those undecided votes that the candidates need to try to persuade over to their side. And the same is true about religion and spirituality and Jesus Christ. Is is these people that's already decided that they are Baptists, they are not going to be persuaded away from their frozen, solid brick. It's already in cement what they believe and how they're going to follow their false religion. But there are some undecided people out there. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But look here. In this verse, verse 30, the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples. Now notice here, Pharisees are people who have already decided and are the religious leader of a particular sect of Judaism. Amen. These are the religious leaders. These religious leaders had a problem with those who were following Jesus. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples. The religious leaders of today have a problem when we try to reach out to the undecided. They have a problem when we try to reach out to the people who don't even claim to be saved, who act lost, who look lost, and are lost. And it says here, it says, why are you eating and drinking with the tax collectors and sinners? And that word sinners and margin, in my Bible says irreligious Jews, or meaning un, unaffiliated, uh, indifferent uh, to the different religious sects. They are not affiliated with the religious sects. They are uh, maybe even hostile or indifferent to the 
uh, official mainstream religions of the day. So why are you eating and drinking with these outcast government people and these people who are not affiliated with our religion? Verse 31, And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not, it is not those who are well, those who are already decided, who are already concrete in Jesus Christ, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick, those who are ill, those who, that have a wrong in their lives. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. And I have learned, finally, I finally got it in my mind that these self-righteous, amen, the self-righteous out there, all these religious people out there cannot be converted to Jesus Christ. They're already sold out to a religion of man. If we're going to reach the lost, now, the Baptist people are lost. The Lutherans are lost. The Presbyterians are lost. The Catholics are lost. The Jehovah Witnesses are lost. The Mormons are lost. All these religious people are lost. The Pharisees are lost. The Zealots are lost. The Hebrew Ruth are lost. Everybody is lost. They're all lost. But if we're going to reach any of the lost, we've got to reach out to the undecided to those who are seeking, to the outcasts, to those that are not being already reached and churched and taught by the deceivers so much, those that are not yet concrete in what they think they believe and what they think is the truth. Amen. And who I'm talking about that we need to reach, start reaching out for, is those people who are in the United States reaching out, looking for, uh, reading about, researching about, examining the different religions, those that are looking at different religions, those that are seeking what is the truth, what is Buddhism, what is Islam, what is Judaism, what is this, what is that, because they are undecided about Christianity. And they're not decided yet about Islam either, and they're not decided yet about Buddhism yet either. They're just looking, examining, looking into these different possibilities. If we don't reach out to that group, the Muslims will, the Buddhists will, the Buddhists are reaching out to that group, the Hindus are reaching out to that group. The fact is, there's no such thing as an unreached group, but rather undecided. It is Reaching, we need to reach out to the undecided. Everybody's being reached by somebody. They're being reached 
reached out to by all the cults. But the true church, the true saints of God, and those with the truth need to reach out to those undecided voters and get them to vote for the kingdom of God and for Jesus Christ as their king. Amen. To have them to embrace, come into, and enter into the kingdom of God. Those people are looking into UFOs, Bigfoot, aliens, fallen angels, the meaning of life, time travel, different things. And some of these things are very taboo. Some of these things is people that, to be honest with you, your everyday Baptist preacher don't want to really deal with these people. Ooh, I don't want to touch that. Ooh, I don't want to talk with him because he's evil. He's lost. I don't want to have nothing to do with him. But they need Christ and they need somebody to counsel with them, to talk with them, to try to reach out to them. And to be honest with you, these traditional chick tracks are not going to reach that crowd. Even if it's a chick track that is specific to the topic of what those people are looking at, if it's a chick track about Buddhism, against Buddhism, it's not going to persuade their minds against Buddhism. It's not. It's not going to persuade their mind against Islam to give a person a chick track against Islam. Because that chick track is too traditional. It's too much in the box. It's too much of a traditional technique. They look at those chick tracks, they immediately know it's a, 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 a booklet of traditional Christianity, which they have already decided uh, that they don't know what they want, religion they want to follow, but they already decided they don't want to follow traditional religion. They don't want to follow traditional Western religion. They don't want to follow traditional Christianity. That's why they're looking at these other religions. I've never met a person in my life that said they got saved by reading the chick track. There may be somebody out there that has been, but I would say those numbers are extremely low of the number of people that's ever been converted through a chick track. And even if they are so-called converted, is it to Jesus Christ or is it to box religion? I would say it's most likely to box religion, to false religion, to pagan Christianity rather than to the truth. Jesus ate with the sinners, the outcasts, the government workers, and those who were not affiliated with any sect. The Pharisees only came to mock and to ridicule, not to learn. These Pharisees were present only because they came to mock and to ridicule both Jesus and those following Jesus. Our modern-day Pharisees are the Baptist people, the Lutherans, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, so on. 
they only come to this building only to mock me, to ridicule me, and to tell me that I'm wrong. Our modern Pharisees or the Hebrew roots were so focused on the Hebrew uh, wide names, which were not Hebrew at all, so forth, focused totally on the Torah, not on Jesus, even though they claim they are. And many times when we read in the, when we read in the Gospels about the Jews, especially in the book of John, where John uses the word the Jews many times, that's referring not to the Jewish people per se, the average Jewish person on the street, but rather referring to the higher anarchy of the rulers of the religious sects of the time. The Jews term the term the Jews in the Gospels refers to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious-affiliated, educated rulers of religion. Those are the ones that had a problem with Jesus and his followers. The educated religious leaders, such as all these educated religious leaders of our day who have gone to the seminaries, the cemeteries, the, 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 the <laughs> I call cemetery is a good word for these religious colleges because they kill that person. And they are cemeteries. It is a dead religion. It is false religion. It is false religion. It is pagan religion. It is not life. It's, they are cemeteries where these people go to learn official religion. And I had a man on the phone recently try to brag to me how that he was so educated in the Baptist church. And that told me right there as soon as he said that, how he is educated in religion, that he didn't know God, that he didn't know Jesus. Paul, or when his name was Saul, had been very educated in official religion, but he didn't know Jesus until he was converted. Amen. A lot of these other denominations of today, a lot of people think they have to go to a college to learn to preach or to learn the Bible. And to me, that's just insane. And to me, that is so clearly obvious. And I don't understand. It's behind, it's beyond my comprehension why anyone would think that you have to go to a, a college of men to be a minister of God. To me, that's contradictory. Go to a college of men to learn the word of God or to be a minister of God. You, you cannot go to school to be a pastor. You cannot go to school to be a minister. You cannot go to school to be a prophet. It is contrary to the spirit of God.
Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious affiliated, educated, stiff-necked, self-righteous, already decided and already self-pronounced saved people, self-pronounced saved people, is a problem, is the people who do have a problem with Jesus Christ. They think they are already saved. They proclaim themselves as saved. They are today's Baptist preachers, Pentecostal preachers, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Church of Christ preachers. But they've got a real problem with Jesus Christ and his followers. Amen, they do. They have a real problem with the Ten Commandments, with the Seventh Day, with the Holy Days, with the Word of God, with the Scriptures, with Jesus Christ and his followers. They are our biggest stumbling blocks today. They are our biggest hindrances. They are hindrances to the truth. They are hindrances to the gospel. They are hindrances to Jesus Christ. They are hindrances to the kingdom of God. These Baptist preachers are hindering true salvation. They are hindering the true saints. They are hindering the true gospel. Amen. And if we're going to see anybody saved at all, we've got to reach out to some people who are not yet under their influence. Amen. Because if you try to reach somebody already going to any of their their churches, they're already drinking the Kool-Aid. You try to reach out to somebody going to their churches, they are already drinking the Kool-Aid, they are already brainwashed, and they are almost impossible to reach. So we've got to try to find people that are not yet under their dark deception, under their teaching, not yet under their teaching. And there are some giant hoes in coverage of people uh, giant hoes in coverage of the people. If you think about if you look at the globe like a map of the world and think about all the billions of people, seven billion people on the earth Which ones, you could maybe put a dot for every person on the world, on the globe, put a different color dot for all the people that are are being reached by traditional box pagan Christianity, and those are being well reached by Islam, and those are being well reached by Buddhism and Hinduism and all the different religions of men. But then you could also put a dot for the unreached. And those those people, I would consider a large number of people who are un, unconverted, unindoctrinated, undecided. 
we need to reach those people. Let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 17. We're going to talk about here in a few minutes, or here and there, we'll talk about how to and how to reach these people. Acts 17, verse 16. Acts 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit had been provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. Yeah, Paul did get angry. Jesus got angry. God gets angry. And his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols, even as it is today. Verse 17, so he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. So Paul did go to the church building. He did go to the synagogue in the seventh day in the holy days as instructed by the Bible. And But he also went into the marketplace every day. He went into the marketplace every day looking for who he could witness to and talk to In verse 18, and also some of the Epicurean and Esotic philosophers were conversing with him. And some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He wasn't preaching Jesus and what happens when you die as far as like you go to immediately heaven and hell. Paul was not preaching that you go immediately to heaven and hell. No. But traditional mainstream religion of today in Western society preaches that you immediately go to heaven and hell, but Paul was not preaching that. Paul was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Amen. Verse 19, and they took him and brought him to Mars Hill, it would say in King James, to the Areopagus, meaning Mars Hill. And Mars Hill was a sort of a court where uh, murderers would be tried. It was a government location of where um, uh, the government officials would hold official uh, meetings and uh, and, uh, come to official decisions. 
sheer matters, uh, sheer legal matters, uh, and tried people. Um, and it had been for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, a place used for that type of uh, actions, government actions and trials and decisions and so forth. Uh, but it was also a place where the people came to hear uh, alternative views about the soul and God and religion. And the people in Greece and Athens were very curious about all the different possibilities. They didn't follow just one religion. But if you look at China today, for the most part, it's pretty much only Buddhism. There are other religions, but but it's mostly just Buddhism. If you look at India, it's mostly just Hinduism. If you look at most of the Middle East, it's only Islam. If you look at um, Salt Lake City, it is mostly Mormons, so forth. Different regions of the world have a mostly one type of religion. But it wasn't that way in Athens or in Greece. It was hundreds of religions. And they were very curious about all the different possibilities and a lot of the people were willing to listen to the different possibilities. Paul went there talking to people who were willing to listen to different possibilities. Even though a lot of the different people was already determined in what they believed uh, and it was a dangerous situation, but at the same time, there were also people that were easily persuaded uh, away from what they already thought and was willing to switch to a different God and different mind thought uh, very easily at the same time. And it says here in verse 19, they took him there, brought him to Marshall, saying, May we know, this is what people were asking him, and the officials were asking him, may we know what is this new teaching is which that you are proclaiming. Verse 20, are you, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears that we have not heard before. So we want to know what these things mean. They were curious. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Amen. They were not concrete in one way, in one philosophy. They were curious and seeking. Verse 22, So Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Men of Athens, I deserve that you are very religious in all aspects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, 
I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. You know what that really meant? The other possibility. The one we've not found yet. The one who we don't know his name, we don't know his ways. The other possibility, the outside-the-box possibility. We already know about Allah. We already know about Buddha. We already know about this. We already know about that. But to, one, but to the one that we've not found yet, that we don't know about yet, the one that we've not been educated about yet, amen, the one we're not being educated about yet, the one we've not been brainwashed about yet, the one that is different from the rest, the unknown God. And therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Paul is saying, I've come to bring you the one outside the box, the one you don't know about yet, the one you've not decided about yet. Verse 24, the God who made the world and all things in it. He's talking here, you could say very humanistic or you could say very gothic. You could look at it either way, but it was a different approach than what you would typically hear as a um, evangelistic first line in today's society. Your typical evangelistic first line in today's society is, do you know Jesus? Which immediately turns people off, a lot of people, and is really a stupid question to ask because... <laughs> Most people, if they think they're saved, they're going to say yes, but they don't really know what it means to know Jesus. And it's, it's really just not really the right way to start out. It really ain't. People don't know what it means to know Jesus. The Baptists, they don't know what it means to know Jesus. I'm picking on the Baptists a lot because I've come to learn that they are, in this area at least, one of the biggest hindrances to the truth. And they are among my greatest enemies. I love my enemy. I pray for my enemy. I want the best for them. I want them to find Jesus Christ. They, they are among the greatest obstacles to true salvation in this region. And he says, the God who made the world and all things in it, because he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He's not speaking against having a synagogue. He's not speaking against having official location out of the rain and out of the wind to have your meeting. But rather, he's saying that he is beyond, he is outside the box, he is beyond a temple, that he fills the universe, that he made the heavens and the earth, that he doesn't dwell just within a stone or just within a statue that doesn't move or speak or talk, that he doesn't... uh, you can't fit him in a box. You can't fit him 
in a temple. That's what he's saying. He's not preaching against having a place to have services. Verse 25. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. In other words, you don't have to bathe the statue. You don't have to feed the statue. Like the Hindus still do today, the Buddhists, how they still put food in front of the statue, but it never gets eaten. I'm sure they did the same at the time. He's saying, you don't have to feed him. He's not served by human hands as though that he need of food or need of a drink, need of anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. He is the creator of the trees, of the herbs, of the garden. Verse 26, and he made from one every nation of mankind. Now King James said he made all nations of one blood. But when I looked at the Greek words here, the word blood and the word man is not in the original Greek. It's a one. It just it should say just he made from one every nation of mankind. So, uh, but the one he's talking about is Adam. So he made from Adam or one. <clears throat> he made from one talking about Adam every nation of mankind, which proves wrong the the ridiculous and insane doctrine that says that there are people on this earth that came from a different bloodline other than Adam. It's ridiculous, it's unscriptural, it's foolishness. To live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. He made or he created everybody to seek him, to seek God. The Bible says he is seeking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. He created us and appointed the times and boundaries of our habitation that they would seek God. If perhaps they might even group for him and find him. There are a lot of people out there that are grouping for him, even as the Athenians were. There are people out there today who are grouping in the darkness of the chaos of the mixture that's been poured out of a great mixture of all kinds of cults and religions and philosophies of man. And if we don't reach out in our hand in the dark to grab him by the hand and say, look here, I have, I have a God that made heaven and earth that is seeking you right back. If we don't reach out to them, the Muslims will, the Buddhists will, the Hindus will, the Jehovah Witnesses will. Amen. And it says, verse 27, that they would seek God if perhaps they might group for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. Meaning, his, his hand is always stretched out. To every one of us, his hand is stretched out all day long. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist. Meaning, he fills the universe. 
God fills the whole universe. And that is something that the Athenians could start thinking about. And that would be called today a Gnostic uh, type of talk that God is a spirit, that God is an energy that fuels the universe. But it is a type of term and talking that is going to reach the undecided. So we need to start using different techniques, different words, different terms outside the box of traditional evangelism. We've been taught evangelism in a way and a method that is restricted within the box of traditional Western denominational religion. But we need to start using some of these terms and manners of speech that your mainstream preachers would call would, would would call or choose to be more humanistic and more agnostic. If you look at the words of Jesus, especially in the book of John, and give these words to a Baptist preacher and ask him, are these words good and true, or they gothic, or they humanistic, whatever, but not tell him, not tell that Baptist preacher, these are the words of Jesus. Don't say these are words found in the Bible. Don't say this is a certain verse. Don't say these are the words of Jesus. Just give the words and not say where it came from. I guarantee you a lot of the Baptist preachers, and especially even the Pentecostal churches, preachers, would not recognize it as being the words of Jesus and would say that those words are blasphemous words and those words are very gothic. I guarantee you because a lot of them just simply don't know the Bible and don't know the evangelism techniques of Jesus Christ or of Paul. They didn't preach where you're going to go tonight if you die. <clears throat> they never preached that. You can't find it in the Bible. That was not one of their evangelism techniques. Another evangelism technique of modern Western uh, box Christianity, pagan Christianity, is uh, <clears throat> at the end of the church service, is anybody here that wants to get saved come up? You can't find that in the Bible. It's not scriptural. It's not the way it works. Paul didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. None of the apostles or disciples did that. The first century church didn't do that. That is an invention of <clears throat> box religion of modern Western societies. We need to get back to the evangelism techniques of Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul in the first century church. One of those evangelism techniques was 
talking about God being a spirit that fills the universe. Is it not true? Yes, it is. It's true. So why is it wrong? Why is it taboo to talk about God being a energy, a spirit that fuels the universe? People need to know this. People need to understand this. Because, because this is not taught. That's why people believe in a three-headed monster God. That's why people believe in the Greek gods, and the Assyrian gods of a three-headed trinity monster is because they're not taught what Paul taught or what Jesus taught, that he is a spirit that fills the universe because that's too gothic, that's too new age, that's too humanistic. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. So he even quoted lost people, a technique not appreciated by Marx's Western religion. Even as Jesus also used that technique when he talked about Lazarus and the rich man, because Lazarus and the rich man is not a true story. It never happened and never will happen. The Lazarus and the rich man is very well documented as being a fairy tale that people knew in the times of Jesus. And he was quoting the fairy tale that the people knew. When Jesus spoke of Lazarus as a rich man in the book of Luke, People already knew that story. It wasn't the first time they ever heard it. They knew that story. And it was a, a story of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, uh, uh, it was one of their stories that they told uh, as being a religious doctrine of their own. Uh, the Pharisees may have considered it to be an actual event. Uh, but it wasn't. It was a false doctrine about Lazarus and the rich man that Jesus quoted from their own poets and quoted from their own false doctrines and from their own false books and their own false teachings in order to 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 tell the people. Jesus used it as a, as a uh, point of reference to to try to teach the people that even if even if your fairy tales were true, even if your own false books and your false teachings and your false philosophies and the teachings of your cults are true, you would still not accept Jesus even if somebody were to be raised from the dead. And then he very quickly, within the next few days after that, raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead within a matter of days after telling the fairy tale of Lazarus and the rich man to point out that even if that somebody were raised from the dead, you still wouldn't believe in the truth. So even here, Paul quoted the lost people's writings.
You know, just because the Bible quotes Enoch does not mean that Enoch is scripture. It doesn't call it scripture. Even though it uh, quotes Jasper, it doesn't mean that Jasper is scripture. Paul and Jesus both quoted lost people's books, the writings of lost people. There are other examples in the Bible, too, of where they quoted books and writings that were not scripture. So it's okay to quote Wikipedia. It's okay to quote the science book. It's okay to quote the encyclopedia. But the Baptist preachers, Pentecostal preachers, are very much against that. Oh, don't show me what it says in the encyclopedia. Don't show me that. But Paul would have, amen, Paul would have, Verse 29, being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature, very caustic talking, that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by art or a thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance or winked at one time, winked at the ignorance of man, God is now declaring to men, that to all men, people everywhere, should repent. So at one time, God did wink, King James says, or overlooked times of ignorance. God did at one time overlook people's ignorance, but now it's different. And God, realizing that time is short, getting shorter by every century and every millennium, it gets shorter and shorter, God eventually said, no more will I wink at people's ignorance. People need to be informed. People need to be educated, but not educated in false religion, though. Not educated by these colleges of men, but people need to be educated in the scriptures and in the truth. People need to look in the encyclopedia. It's okay to study. It's okay to do research, but don't go to men's official church college where come here, sign up for one year, two years, four years, and we'll teach you our religion. That's the wrong approach. But rather, study and learn. Look in the encyclopedias. Look at history. Look at science. Do your studies, but be taught by Jesus Christ. Be taught by the Holy Spirit. Be taught by the Holy Ghost. Be taught by the Bible and the Scriptures rather than a boxed college as far as religion goes. And he is declaring for every man to repent, to repent of the false religions, to come out of Babylon, to come out of Assyria, to come out of the box denominations. Verse 31, because he has fixed a day, appointed a day, in which he will judge the world in righteousness, through a man, Jesus, whom he had appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, they didn't hear about what happens when you die tonight, but they heard about the resurrection of the dead that's going to happen at that time, 2,000 years in the future. They heard about that. And some began to sneer, 
to ridicule, to mock, to laugh. But others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him, followed him, and believed, among whom also were Theiasus, the uh, Aragite, the government official of Mars Hill, one of those government officials, even as Jesus said to Matthew, come and follow me, this government official started following Paul, uh, which, of course, led him to Jesus Christ. And a woman named Damaris and others with them. Amen. Praise God. Look at chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Verse 25. Acts 8 verse 25 says, so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. The Samaritans were also despised people, people not reached by uh, a lot of the southern Jews. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a Gentile, Enoch, a court official. Again, a government worker, over time, we're seeing here God dealing with government workers. <clears throat> a government employee, a Gentile at that, people that were the outcasts of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots, outcasts of the religious, uh, Jewish religion, sects, denominations of that time. Is the Ethiopian Enoch court official of Canis. So he had several things going against him that the Jews would have never even talked to him because he was an Enoch and a government official and a Gentile. So he had at least three things uh, that oh, the Jews would no way uh, try to minister or evangelize this man. A court official of Canis, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Wow. He was seeking God. He was worshiping God. He was coming to the right place at the right time. But surely rejected by a lot of the people of the area, of the region. Verse 28, and he was returning He was returning back to where he had come from and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
He was reading the scriptures. That would have been the Greek Setudian. It's the, the Greek Setudian was the only Bible that was available to people outside the high priests and the, the priesthood within the temple. Uh, so this man would have had the Greek Setudian, and he was reading it because they, uh, verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? That's very different from a lot of people today because a lot of people you say, do you understand the Bible? Yeah. Do you understand this verse? Yeah. Are you saved? Yeah. Uh, or if you try to teach or you try to lead or you ask them, uh, well, they don't need your teaching. They don't need you. They don't need your teaching. They don't need your explanation because they're already converted. They're already saved. They're already decided. It's already written in concrete. But this man had the, a different approach. He had an approach, uh, I mean, he had a, a reaction of, I don't understand. Please teach me. I don't understand. How can I understand unless someone teach me? For a lot of people today, a lot of people today is, I don't need a teacher. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a church congregation. This man confessed, I need a teacher. Amen. And so he invited Philip, come teach me. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. That he was led as a sheep to slaughter. Talking about Jesus. It was a prophecy about Jesus' death in the book of Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So that he does not open his mouth, meaning he did not fight back. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. Unquote. Now Enoch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet speak? Say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began, beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. This was the unknown God. The Enoch, the Ethiopian Enoch, did not know of Jesus. Philip preached the unknown God to this Gentile Ethiopian outcast. Uh, would have been outcast the Jews. Amen. Somebody that <clears throat> the Jews would not have even tried to witness to. And what happened there? It says verse 36, and they went along the road, they came to some water, and Enoch said, look, water, 
what prevents me from being baptized. Why did he say that? The only reason, the only, 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 only reason possible of why the Enoch would have asked that question is only if Philip had told him about baptism that look this scripture is referring to Jesus Christ and the way you get saved is you be baptized there's nothing here about repeating a prayer after me there's nothing here about coming to the altar there's nothing here about saying a prayer of salvation only about baptism this was the method of salvation. And this is the method of salvation. Again, a different technique from boxed Western religion. Amen. So much more deep. So much more important. So much more in-depth than Western boxed religion. You must be born again in water of spirit and water. You must be born by being immersed in that water and be crucified with Christ and resurrected with Christ. Gostic speaking. Verse 37 is was added into the Bible. Verse 37 doesn't belong at all. But I'll read it just because it's there. But let's keep in mind verse 37 was added into the Bible. It says, Philip said, if you believe with your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, verse 38, scriptures do say, and he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. And Philip, uh, they, they ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. And Philip, as well as Enoch, and he baptized him. And they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, snatched Philip away, and Enoch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he, as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Cassia. Now look at chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts 2, verse 37, after Peter was speaking, it says, And then when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it should say. So, 
again, completely different technique is is when the people asked what must we do to be saved, basically, it wasn't repeat after me. It wasn't uh, say a prayer of salvation. It wasn't come to the altar. It was repent of your sins and be baptized, not in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. That's why. To get saved, that's why. This is how you get saved. And you will receive his Holy Ghost in you. In other words, you will get saved. Amen? This was not, as the Baptist people claim, just uh, to be a witness or whatever. This was for salvation. This was for the conversion of their soul. This was to receive the Holy Ghost. It's clear as day. And when these Baptist preachers twist this, they twist this scripture, twist it. They condemn themselves. May the plagues of this book be added to the bottom of their feet. Amen. May the plagues of this book be added to their lungs and their hair. May the plagues of this book be upon them, twisting this scripture to say you don't have to be baptized. That baptism is not required for salvation. They are antichrist. They are workers of demons. They are workers of the devil. They are not saved. Amen. They are workers of the devil. Now let's explain a little bit about how I saw the life ministries plans on reaching out to the unconverted, to the undecided, to the those who are seeking. I'm going to start doing something that I've always not done because I was told not to do it, because I was taught not to do it. And that is that I'm going to start selling books What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the longest articles that's from the website, such as proof about Assad being the son of perdition, the Antichrist. That's an extremely long article, and some of the other long articles, the truth about heaven and hell and the other ones. And take only one article, make it into a book. Then take another one long article, make it to a book, sell these books on Amazon in order to try to reach people who have never found the website. They do not know about the ministry, do not know about the website. And I'm not going to sell these books to make a profit. When you 
sell a book on Amazon, you enter the price. And it will only let you go only so low. And especially when you go through the publishers, like not the publisher, but the printer. I have to go through the printer because it's got to be printed. I'm making my own book, so I have to print it. And I have to go through my printer to set the price on Amazon. So they don't let me just pick, well, this book is one cent. If I could, I would sell it for only one cent. I'm not trying to make a profit. I'm not trying to make money. What I'm trying to do is reach the loss, to reach more people. And by selling a book that's named uh, something like uh, 40 Proofs That Bashar Assad is the Antichrist, that's going to reach people that the Baptist church is not reaching. It could reach some Muslims. There's a lot of Muslims that would be glad to hear that the Assad is the Antichrist. They want to hear that right now. I could reach some Muslims. I could reach some New Agers, some other people, some lost people with a title like that. The truth about heaven and hell, what happens when you die. Other titles and topics and subjects that are taboo or uncovered by Western religion. I will set the prices at the very lowest that they will live. And that will ensure that we only get like 50 cents or a dollar or something like that per sale. And then that's going to go right back into the publication and the printing of those books and the Bibles. I'm not going to make a penny. I'm not going to make a dollar. I'm not going to make any money from this. But I was always told, don't sell the truth. But that same scripture says, buy the truth, but sell it not. Buy the truth, but sell it not. Well, how can you buy it unless somebody sells it? Amen. How can you buy it unless somebody sells it? What it means there about sell it not is don't sell it for profit is the really the principle behind it, the spirit behind it. We've got to look at the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. The spirit of that verse is don't be selling the word of God for profit. That's the spirit of that verse. That's the principle, what it's really teaching. So I'm not going to be selling it for profit. In fact, every book that I'll be making, printing, publishing, and putting online is going to be available for free. It's already available for free. All of these articles are already on the website for free. And as I put them in book form, they will continue to be free. That people will be able to order the books for free. But by making it available for a price on Amazon, it's going to reach people who are looking, people who are seeking, with subjects and titles that are unusual to boxed Christianity or Western boxed Christianity. And I'll be also writing some new articles that are especially unusual 
to blocks Western Christianity. Some of the new books and new articles will be on subjects like time travel, fallen angels. Uh, some of the titles will be, for examples, and these are uh, uh, stretch, uh, what do you call it, uh, 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 preliminary, preliminary titles. Uh, the titles can change before publication, but some of the example preliminary titles is The Origin of Babylon, The Return of the Assyrian Empire. That's going to be one book is the origin of Babylon, the return of the Assyrian Empire. Because the Assyrian Empire is a great interest in a lot of people. There's even a whole field of science called the Assyrianology, Assyrianologists. So it's a field of interest but it's not covered even by the so-called true church, even by Hebrew roots and the seekers and the people that's trying to find the truth. The Assyrian Empire information is not covered because everybody's talking about Babylon. Christmas is from Babylon. Easter is from Babylon, so on, so on. Babylon, Babylon, Babylon. But the truth is Babylon is Assyria. And the origin of Babylon is Assyria. We've got to realize the Assyrian connection. Another new article and new book could be called something like Why and How to Maintain a Lifelong Sexual Purity, Virginity. How, I mean, why and how to maintain lifelong sexual purity, virginity. The book will explain how that's not for everybody. Not everybody should should maintain lifelong virginity. But there are people that's not reached by traditional Western church who should maintain sexual purity and virginity their whole life. The Bible says there's going to be 144,000 of them that are going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God in the end times. I believe those 144,000 men need some encouragement of how and why to maintain their virginity. Another one is how to prepare for natural death, meeting your maker. How to prepare for natural death, meeting your maker. I believe that's a needed topic. The great second harvest, the hope of the forgotten resurrection. The great second harvest, the hope of the forgotten resurrection. That's going to reach people that are curious, that are seeking, that are looking, who have never heard of the second resurrection. Finding true religion. Finding the true church. Finding the perfect you. Now that's <laughs> taboo, finding the perfect you. Is that too humanistic? Is that too gothic? Finding the perfect you. How to develop the perfect you.
Well, traditional Western religion would say there is no perfect you and it would never come to be. But Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and New Age is all teaching how to develop and become the perfect you. And people are looking for that. We know that the answer is Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost. We know that we cannot be perfect without Jesus. The book can explain that to us. And how that the Holy Ghost will transform you, develop you, how you will grow in maturity, grow in knowledge and information, grow in understanding, grow in obedience. And that God will gradually over a lifetime journey deliver us from all our sins if we continue to abide in him and him and us. All these new articles and books point to Jesus Christ. They are not New Age books. They are not Gnostic books. I am not teaching New Age. I'm not teaching Gnosticism. I am teaching Jesus Christ using techniques and words and terms that may be taboo to Western religion, but people are looking for these terms. People are seeking information on these topics. Am I losing focus on Jesus? No, absolutely not. I'm reaching out to lost souls, to the undecided, and to those sitting on the fence, to bring them to Jesus. Amen. To bring them to Jesus. Another technique is the translation of the Bible, the Alpha and Omega Bible. That's an alternative translation. There's a lot of people out there looking for alternative translations, looking at all the different translations, comparing them, looking, studying, seeking. The Alpha and Omega Bible gives them one more alternative translation, a better translation, a more accurate translation that will truly and sincerely help people find the truth that they're looking for. I've also developed a new flyer to put out locally that's called A Different Church. The old flyer that we had out all around town tried to tell people about the Seventh-day services and that we're here, was titled um, Sabbath Services, was the headline, Sabbath Services. But now I made a new flyer with the title, the headline of A Different Church. And in that flyer, I explained we use alternative translation, New American Standard, how we go to church on the seventh day, like Jesus and the apostles in the first century church did. I explain it like that. Instead of just saying, we go to church on Saturday. I explain that we have church on Saturday like Jesus and the apostles in the first century church did. Put it in those terms. 
reaches out to the crowd that would be perked up in interest about, huh, like Jesus did. Jesus did go to church on Saturday. You, you never hear that in a Baptist church, but he did. And Paul did, and all the disciples did, and all the apostles did. Even decades after the resurrection, they were going to church on Saturday. People need to know that. We'll be developing some new tracks, some new flyers with some different topics that reach out to the curious and to the seeking. Different from your uh, chick tracks. Different from your traditional. Of course, all the flyers we have are very different. But hopefully, through the guidance of the Holy Ghost, We'll be coming out with some new topics and new headlines to, to, to reach the seeking and the undecided. Hopefully I'll be going on the highway soon, walking along the roads uh, with the signs that I'm still in the process of making. And my wife is making fans, your handheld paper fans, uh, Bible verses and information about the local congregation and so forth on those. And what you can do at home is you can make some handheld fans or different things or flyers and tracks, and you can even order the flyers from I Saw the Light Ministries. We've got an a entire page on the website, I Saw the Light Ministries, where you can order free evangelism materials. And as I continue to make new books and, and uh, new evangelism materials, they will be added to the page where you can order, uh, even without paying any shipping, these unusual, different uh, flyers and different things we can use to evangelize to the lost. You can uh, do things at home yourself, like ordering these things to distribute, or you can make some things at home you can take a popsicle stick and write Bible verses on them, lay them on picnic tables and grocery carts and uh, newspaper stands and just lay them out in different places where you go. These popsicle sticks you can buy at Walmart or Dollar Tree. Dollar General sells them and write Bible verses on these popsicle sticks, different colors. They have these colored or even the plain popsicle sticks. Um, they got small popsicle, popsicle sticks, and then they also got the larger, wider, longer popsicle sticks they can buy for just a little bit more. You can also make fans at home. You can just take a popsicle stick and a paper plate, cut the paper plate in half, straight down the middle, half of a paper plate, and glue it to your popsicle stick for your handle, write Bible verses on that. In the summer heat, we have discovered that people love getting a fan. They will ask you. They see a fan in your hand. Where did you get a fan? Where can I get a fan? Men and women both, we have discovered these are really, really popular in the heat of the summer. And you don't have to give them away. They will ask you for it. So this is something right here that people can do to evangelize in a different way, a different manner than what you normally, usually always see, different different from your normal chick track. 
and also encourage you to write Bible verses on your paper money, on your dollar bills, and five, tens, and twenties, and all of your paper money to write Bible verses. You don't have to write the whole verse, or you could. You might write just the verse number and the topic, and then have them to look up the topic to see what the verse actually says. You know, you could write just the topic and the verse number, or you could write out the whole verse. There's different ways you can do it. And then 4th of July is coming up, 4th of July and other days like that. Good opportunities to go out to the uh, downtown or wherever the fireworks are going to be and hand out flyers or tracks or popsicle sticks or just laying here and there or, or whatever. So that's an opportunity as well. Uh, a lot of people will be having the county fairs in August or July, according to where you live. You might go to the county fair, set up a booth, or distribute flyers in the parking lot or something. But you need to be aware of management, and you need to be aware of local rules and regulations. You don't have to obey those rules and regulations. You are giving the Word of God to people. And rules and regulations are not going per, to prohibit me from handing out flyers, but you need to do so in a wise manner. Uh, and you may consider going along with what are the local rules and regulations are about um, giving out flyers only in certain regions or on certain days or certain certain times. That would be okay. But to say I cannot give out any flyer because the law says so would be... Um, uh, too big of a hindrance, and God doesn't uh, require us to obey such a law that says you cannot evangelize, you cannot hand out flyers. Now, if it needs to be a certain time or whatever, then so be it, but a law that says you cannot do it, no, we're not required to obey such a communistic law. But when you're out there distributing flyers, especially if you're doing it against the communist law, then you need to do so in wisdom, with caution. Only so many at a time, only so many at a location, and so forth. Jesus was a pioneer. The prophets were pioneers. The apostles were pioneers in techniques of evangelism, terms and words that they would use, places that they would go, people that they would reach out to. They were pioneers in all of this. Let us, in this end time, with such a small time amount of time left, let us be pioneers. Let us seek out the agent path and walk therein, but let us also come up with new ways and techniques with the Internet and so forth to reach the lost in any way and every way that we possibly can. Pray about what you can do. Pray about what you should do and what God will lead you in. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today. I encourage you to tell your family about this broadcast, to tell your friends, tell your community, to email people, to write people, call people and and tell them about 
I saw the light ministries, which will point them to the scriptures, which will then point them to Jesus Christ. We're definitely a ministry that's outside the box. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. I thank God for his leading, his direction. And I do seek your prayers for all this because this is a lot of work to come out with new tracks, new flyers, new articles, new books. Uh, I, got, I need to finish one and two Thessalonians. Uh, and I believe once I get one and two Thessalonians finished, translated, I believe that's all I'm going to do on the Alpha and Omega Bible. As far as I know right now, I, I really want to get that translation finalized in final printing to where I can move on more so to other projects because only so many people, only so many people are going to want the Alpha and Omega Bible or read the Alpha and Omega Bible, whereas I need to work on the other avenues, the other flyers, the other books, the other techniques of reaching other people as well. So I need to finish one and move on to another. Uh, and we'll be back here next week. Seventh day will be July the 2nd. I hope everybody has a good 4th of July. Uh, and uh, I encourage you uh, today to finish out the seventh day in uh, rest, worship, uh, praying, uh, have a good meal with your family, uh, and uh, keep the seventh day with honor and respect to the seventh day um, in obedience to his spirit and to his law. Please check out the ministry website at isawthelightministries.com. This is Pastor Tim signing out. And until next time, may Jesus bless you in amazing ways. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.